Acts chapter 2. Remember our text today? Verses 23 and 24, looking especially at the last phrase in verse 24. Well, let's start at 22. That I think would be good. 22, 23, 24 together, please. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of, of you all as, I guess you all, that's too southern. Okay, let's leave the you all out of there. Let's start over, please, all right? That's the South Carolina version. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the presence of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he could be holding a bit. Looking at that last phrase again tonight, it was not possible that Jesus Christ should be kept in the grasp of death. He could not be holden by death. And we saw this morning that it was impossible for death to keep Jesus Christ in its grasp because he was a part, this was a part rather, of God's perfect plan and whatever God plans, whatever God purposes, whatever God orchestrates, it will happen. I want to look at a couple of more tonight. I don't know how many that we'll get out tonight. I have more than I could preach, I'm sure, in one night. And I'm not sure we're going to continue next Sunday. I don't really plan to. We'll see how the Lord leads. But we'll just go as far as we want to go tonight. We can slow down at some points. We can just sail right along and maybe get them all in. I don't think that's possible. Number two tonight, please. It was not possible for Jesus Christ to be kept in the grasp of death. Why? Because the message of God's word spoken and written down by God's prophets, will always be fulfilled. We kind of touched on that just a little bit this morning as we looked at, as we read at least, I think we read twice, uh, verses 25 through 31. But the message of 25 through 31, remember starting with that first word, for or because in verse 25, it was not possible that Jesus Christ should be holden by death because or for God's word said something about that. David the prophet spoke, and I'm not going to preach through these verses tonight. I think I said enough about them this morning as we just read them through that I'd rather spend our time on another point, uh, another part of this point tonight. But at least just read it again because this is in the context. It's so important because the writer of um, Acts here, Luke, is saying, and listener, and, and Peter is preaching that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven fact, and it had to be. Because God had predicted that, he already prophesied that in the scriptures. Verse 25, for David speaketh concerning him, Jesus Christ. What did he say? He said, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore, he said, did my heart rejoice. My tongue was glad. Moreover also, my flesh now shall rest in hope. Why? Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, Hades, the grave, neither wilt thou suffer or allow, you're not going to allow, thine holy one, capital H, capital O, okay, thine holy one to see corruption, to rot or to decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Then Peter says, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us 
even unto this day. Therefore, being, excuse me, therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn unto him, to, uh, as God had sworn to him, that of the fruit of his loins, this is all about the Davidic covenant, what's going to happen, the fruit of his loins, the Messiah, the Christ, it's going to come, going to go to his throne. He, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, he spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell or Hades or the grave, neither did flesh see his corruption. So Peter says, listen, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he is the fulfillment of that prophecy by the patriarch David. And it had to be because God's word is always, always fulfilled. Now, these are not the only verses. And remember, I said this morning that uh, Peter quotes here from Psalm chapter 16, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. Later on in the passage, he quotes from Psalm 110, verse 1. And these are not the only two verses in the Old Testament that speak about the coming of the Messiah and, and including, of course, his resurrection from the dead. But these are certainly two main passages. Remember also, let's never forget, please, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I like Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God that cannot lie. God always speaks the truth. Isaiah, excuse me, Psalm 119 verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. And, uh, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Listen, don't forget that. Thy word, the psalmist said, thy word is always true. It's true from the beginning. And he said, not some, not, not most, not many, not the majority. He said, every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. What did Jesus say to his heavenly father when he prayed unto him as recorded in John 17? In John 17, verse 17, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. Can you finish it? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. And especially when you think about the resurrection of Christ, that he bodily arose from the grave, you have to bring the scriptures in as a part of the proof and also as a part of the question, well, why would it have been impossible for him not to rise again? And so before we go to our next point, would you go with me, please, to Luke chapter 24. Go back to Luke 24. As you know, there's a chapter, sometimes a chapter and a half at the end of the gospel books regarding the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love chapter 24 of Luke, and, and I, really, I, I really wanted to read it this morning. I, I think I want to read it every Easter, but it, it's so long. We could just read the first part, but it would be very hard for me to stop at the end of verse 12. I just would have to go on and, and keep reading, and I don't want to take time to do that. But tonight, I want to just point out a few verses from Luke chapter 24. Remember Luke chapter 24, we have the, the, uh, the story of, of the empty tomb. That's verses 1 through 12. And then we come to verse 13 and following. We have the story of the two men who are walking on the Emmaus Road, remember? They're discouraged, they're very sad. Jesus Christ comes walking along and uh, just casually strikes up a conversation with them and asks them why they're so sad. And they say, well, it's because we really thought we really thought the Messiah had come. You've not, have you, you know, haven't you heard? You've not been around here? We thought that Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah had come. Our, our hopes were all based on him. We were so excited. And then 
He was crucified. He, he died on a cross. But now we've heard some of the women that said, can't always trust the women, excuse me. But he said, can't always trust the women. But some of the women have said that, that the angels said that he's alive. They don't know what to think. So Jesus just converses with them. And notice where he puts the focus. Why don't we pick up, please, at verse um, 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he, Jesus, said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Notice, please. Oh, how foolish you are. Slow of heart. Why? To believe. Why are you so slow to believe all the prophets have spoken? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Notice now verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And as they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, that he took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Notice, please, what they said one to another. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the what, folks? The scriptures. As he opened to us the scriptures, our hearts burned within us. And they rose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are ye troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they yet believed not for joy. Let's stop for just a moment. Are they all believers now, yes or no? No, still can't figure it out. Still, they, 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 the, hope is, the hopes are growing, but still we're not there yet. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Well, have you here any meat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. He took it and did eat before them. Listen to what he says now very carefully. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. What must be fulfilled? All things. What all things? That are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Those are the three divisions of the Old Testament. That's the entire Old Testament. He said, these are the words which I spoke unto you when I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. By the way, that's a good thing to pray every time you have daily devotions. 
When you open your Bible and before, before you read, that's a great thing to pray. Heavenly Father, would you open my understanding now? Like Jesus opened the, the understanding of his disciples when they just couldn't figure things out and just couldn't come to believe. Would you open my eyes, the eyes of my understanding now as I read your word? Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And notice verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it, what's the next word? Behooved. Thus it is written, where? Psalms, prophets, and Moses. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Look up the word behooved in a Greek concordance, and you'll find it means of necessity. It was a must. It was necessary. Now listen, because that is true, thus, according to the Old Testament scriptures, God had clearly spoken, thus it is written, and thus it behooved, it was an absolute necessity for Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead the third day. If that is true, and that is true, then you and I know that it was impossible for death to hold Jesus in its grasp, and he would remain dead. Can't happen. One of my favorite verses in the book of Acts, we won't turn there, is, in fact, I do want you to turn there, okay? I could quote verse 43, but I want you to see the two or three verses that go before. Go back, go back to Acts now, and go to chapter 10. Because this is Peter's message to Cornelius the centurion. And it is, it's shorter, but it is so similar to the message recorded in Acts chapter 2. And I believe these are powerful, wonderful salvation messages. I, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here, but I'm not sure that we have really presented the gospel correctly when we give about a five-minute presentation of how to be born again and hope they got it all figured out. I know, you can, I know you can say too much. In business, they call it talking past the sale. I know you can talk on and talk on and talk on, and by that time, the guy wants you out of the house. He doesn't want to buy the vacuum cleaner. He doesn't want to buy the purifier. He doesn't want to buy whatever you're selling. It's like, you could have had the sale a half an hour ago, but you talked too long, and he wants you out of there, you know, talking beyond the sale, talking past the sale. I understand that business stuff, okay? But I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can do that in our witnessing. We can say too much and too long, okay? But I think sometimes we can say too little. And I think when you, leave, when you look at the message in Acts chapter 2, and when you look at the message in Acts after 10. These are things that people need to know to be saved. So the message back in Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, was primarily to the Jews, the Israelites. Remember? How oh, sorry, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Now he's in the home of a Gentile. And listen to the message. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say you know, which is published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now watch and see how similar this sounds to this morning. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, working miracles. How? For God was with him, of course, he and God are one. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Did you mention that this morning? Oh, 
Him, God raised up the third day and he showed him openly. That's always the theme of the messages. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses. Chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which, ordained, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick, the living, and the dead. And look at verse 43. To him, Jesus Christ, give all the what's the next word, please. Prophets. To him, Jesus Christ, give all the prophets witness that through his name, Jesus' name, Whoever, anybody, Jew or Gentile, whoever puts his trust in him, whoever believes in him shall receive the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins. Once again, Peter puts the focus on the fact that the prophets have spoken. And because the prophets have spoken, Jesus Christ rose again. And because the prophets have also spoken about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, now whoever will put his trust in him will receive the forgiveness of sins. I don't think any of us realize how important the Old Testament scriptures are in God's plan of salvation. And don't forget, in Acts chapter 8, we won't go there. Philip is out in the desert. He meets this eunuch, right? This Ethiopian eunuch heading from Jerusalem back to Africa. He's sitting in his chariot. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And God's spirit directs Philip to the chariot. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, what does he say? You tell me. How, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him in the chariot. And then the Bible says the place which he read was, and he's obviously reading in Isaiah 53. And he says, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or somebody else? The Bible says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. What did he do? He preached the person of, the death of, the burial of, the resurrection of, the ascension of, the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ from the Old Testament scriptures. Because God's word is true, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Because God's word is true, it had to happen. So you go back to our text, it was impossible for death to hold Jesus in its grasp. Number three tonight. It was impossible for death to keep Jesus Christ in its grasp because of what Jesus had said before he was crucified. Remember, Jesus Christ is God. He's truth. What he says is always the word of God. What he says always comes to pass. John chapter 14, verse 6, what does Jesus say? I am the way, I'm the truth. And the life, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, John said in his message, as recorded in this book, that it came from, in quotes please, it came from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Absolutely, you can count on every word that Jesus says as being true. And then Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, I believe Jesus uh, gives the message there to John, if I'm not mistaken, the Laodicean church, and we read these words, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. Well, let me ask you a question. What did the angels say to the women when they came to the tomb and found it empty? They said, why seek ye the living among the dead? I know that you seek Jesus, which is crucified. He is not here. Say the rest with me. He is risen as he said. Don't ever forget that. 
Why are you seeking the living among the dead? I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. I know that. Listen, he's not here. That shouldn't shock you. That shouldn't surprise you. He's not here. He's risen, as he said. Really? He said he was going to rise again? Absolutely. Let's just look at a couple of verses. I'll just pick a few. Go, please, to uh, John chapter 2. Let's go to John 2. This is always the first one that comes to my mind. John chapter 2. Beginning of chapter 2, Jesus performs his first miracle, changing of water to wine in Cain of Galilee. Then he goes to Jerusalem for the first time to observe his first Passover. Verse 13, and the Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written. Oh, back to the scriptures. His disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest? He said, wait a minute. What right do you have to do these things? I mean, what authority do you have to do what you just did? Show us a sign. What sign showest thou unto us that thou doest these things? Jesus said, okay, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a sign about who I am and my authority. Verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, what? Are you kidding me? Forty and six years was this temple in building. Wilt thou rear it up in three days? Read verse 21 with me, please, out loud together. But he spake of the temple of his body. And don't miss the next verse. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his, remember, his disciples remembered, watch it now, that he had said this unto them. And, watch it now, they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. That is so fascinating. Combine the scriptures, we just preached on that, what the Old Testament scriptures said, and now combine that with what Jesus said. And when you think of what the Old Testament scriptures said, and then you read what Jesus said, how could death ever keep Jesus in its grasp? Let's go to Matthew and look at a couple of verses. We'll go to our next point. Go to Matthew, please. Go to Matthew. Let's go to chapter 16 first. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, and there happens to be a key word in the verse. See if you can pick it up. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Does there happen to be a word in that verse and in the context of the message absolutely screams out at you? What's the word? Must, right? Must, of necessity, must. It's got to happen. 
from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must absolutely, it's a necessity, it's going to happen. He must go into Jerusalem. Did he go to Jerusalem, yes or no? And he must suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Did that happen, yes or no? Yeah, it must happen. And he, and he must be killed. Was he killed? It's got to happen. And he must, of necessity, be raised again the third day. Was he? Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't be any otherwise. And he tells him this, Matthew 16. Go to Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Look at verses 17, 18, and 19. Getting closer now to the cross, closer to the empty tomb, closer to the resurrection. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples apart in the way, and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall what? He shall write. Who said this? Jesus said this. Who did he say it to his disciples? He's got the word shall in here. We're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be, shall most certainly be. It's going to happen. He said, I, the Son of Man, am going to be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the elders, the scribes, rather. Did that happen? Yeah. Did they condemn him to death? Yes, it had to be. It's going to happen. Did they deliver him up to the Gentiles to mock? Yes. Did they scourge him? Yes. Did they crucify him? Yes. And But also, he said on the third day, after all these things, he said, he is going to rise again. I'm going to rise from the grave. That's what he said. Let's go one more. Let's go to Matthew 20. Oh, we were already in 20. Go, if you will now, please go to Matthew 26. The night now before Jesus is crucified, before, uh, the night that he's betrayed. The night he's betrayed, he's arrested. Matthew chapter 26, look at verse 31. And 32, then said Jesus unto them, are all, excuse me, all ye shall be offended because of me. When? This night, this very night. For it is written, see, we're back to the scriptures again. Everything's based on the scriptures. The scriptures are being fulfilled. I mean, just one after the other. All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, in, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. After I'm risen. Because I've told you already on two occasions and perhaps more that I, I am going to rise again after I'm crucified. He said, after this happens now, I'm going to go before you into Galilee. That's what he said. Now go back to the Gospel of Mark, please. Next book, let's go to Mark and look at chapter 16, the last chapter in Mark. The resurrection chapter. Mark chapter 16. Why don't we start at verse 4? Well, we'll start at verse 3. And they said among themselves as they went to the sepulcher, Who shall roll us away the stone from the, from the door of the sepulcher? When they looked, surprised, shocked, they saw that the stone was already rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. 
ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, what am we supposed to tell them? That he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him. And what does it say after that? As he said unto you. Just like he said. He said, I know you're afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Have you forgotten what he said? Now go tell his disciples and tell Peter too, because he's probably struggling right now. Go tell his disciples, tell Peter that he's alive, that he's risen. And then he's going to meet you in Galilee, just like he said. When you and I read these gospel books, and we've just picked out a few verses, when Jesus Christ told his disciples he was going to go to Jerusalem, he was going to be betrayed, he was going to be denied, he was going to be arrested, he was going to be scourged, he was going to be crucified, and he was going to rise again, that we need to put it down. Hey, listen, two plus two is four. That works. It's going to happen. It has to happen. And Peter says on the day of Pentecost, it was impossible that death could hold Jesus down. It was impossible also for death to keep Jesus Christ in his grasp because of his own divine power. Now, this is a little harder to understand because of the, the, the idea of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one and one in three. And then we've got this, the union of God and man in one body. Our minds, we have a hard time grasping it. Listen, the fact that Jesus Christ was fully human, fully man. Amen? Are you with me? Agree? At the same time, he is fully God. Fully God. So here's the God-man in the body. How do you separate the two? My wife was reminding me last night that some little boy many years ago, she was trying to witness to him, and she was telling him how Jesus was the Son of God. That he was God and that he died on the cross. And this little boy said, no, Jesus didn't die on the cross. And my wife said, yes, he did. The Bible's so clear, Jesus died on the cross. The little boy said, no, Jesus did not die on the cross. And my wife said, listen, son, the Bible says he died on the cross. Now, some of you are already smiling because you know what the little boy said, don't you? He said, no, that can't happen because God doesn't die. You just told me Jesus was God. Now you tell me he died. God can't die. Now, how do you explain that to about a six-year-old boy? Okay. But now Jesus is himself life. Most of the time in the Bible, when it talks about the resurrection of Christ, it says God raised him up, or the Spirit of God raised him up. Sometimes it says he raised himself up. How do you do it? What did Jesus say to Martha? After her, after her brother Lazarus died, remember? It's in, it's in uh, John 11. John 11, what, 25, I think, and 26? Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha says, oh, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection day. And Jesus said, yeah, that, that's the way it goes, right? In the last day, he's going to rise again. Is that what he said? He said, no, no, no. He said, there's something you don't understand, Martha. I am the resurrection and the, I am, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he are dead, Yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die the second death. 
eternal death. There is no eternal death. There is no second death. There is no hell for anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. But don't ever forget this. Jesus Christ is the creator of life. Jesus Christ is the sustainer of life. We could go to John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, and other places. Jesus Christ is the one who creates life. He is the one also who sustains life. He keeps life there. And he is the one who gives eternal life because he himself is eternal life. And I'm telling you, the grave could not hold him. Death cannot control life. Go with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I don't know how well you listen when the choir sings, but this was in the choir song tonight. Jesus Christ won the victory over death. It's recorded in Hebrews chapter 2. And read, please, if you will, with me, verses 14 and 15. I'll just read it. Why don't you follow along, please? Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's it, human race, he himself also likewise took part of the same. See, he wasn't that eternally. But he took on him flesh and blood. He became a human. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Why did he do that? Watch it now. That through death, catch it now, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what, folks? Bondage. You say, well, well, Jesus conquered death when he died on the cross. That's when Satan was defeated. That's when he conquered death. He, he, he conquered sin and death and judgment and hell when he died on the cross. That is true. But it took more than that. I, don't, I said this morning, I don't like hypothetical questions, so I'll just make it as a statement. If Jesus, if Jesus would have conquered death, I, I can't even make the statement that way. Let me change it there. If Jesus would never have come back to life after he died, he would not have conquered death. Would you agree with that? If Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and he was dead the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, now it's a week, now it's a month, now it's six months, now it's a year, now it's five years, now it's 10 years, now it's 20 years, now it's 100 years, now it's 2021, and Jesus Christ is still dead. No one's ever seen him since. He did not come out of the grave. There is no bodily resurrection. Then I'm telling you, death conquered Jesus. Jesus did not conquer death. Satan conquered Jesus. Jesus did not conquer Satan. In the resurrection of his body from the grave, God's plan, God's purpose was accomplished. And Jesus Christ was the conqueror, not the conquered. He tasted death for every man. And he will. we don't have time. We could go to 1 Corinthians 15, read the last five or six verses of 1 Corinthians 15. You'd see the same thing. There is no longer victory for death. Why? Because Jesus died and rose again. He himself is life. Death doesn't conquer life, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who is life, he conquers death. Let's go one more and we'll be done tonight, okay? It was impossible for Jesus Christ, for death rather, to keep Jesus Christ in his grasp because of 
God's purposes in the results of the resurrection. There's some certain things that God has said they are going to happen because Jesus Christ rose again. And God's not like man. Man's got things he plans. Man's got things that he proposes. Man has some purposes. But sometimes things happen and we can't do what we want to do. We can't do what we plan to do. We have good intentions. We think through things. We make plans. Sometimes we announce our plans. Maybe fathers and mothers, you announce something to your children. I will take you, I'll take you fishing Saturday morning. And then something comes up and guess what? You can't take your son fishing on Saturday morning. And you feel so badly that you promised it, but you're going to have to change your plans and hope he understands. Something came up to thwart the plans, to keep them from happening. Listen, nothing comes up to keep God's plans from happening. Amen? Nothing. He doesn't have to change horses in the middle of the stream. He doesn't have to, oh, sorry, that didn't work. Listen, plan B. There's no plan B with God. And God had planned before the world was ever created that his son would come and pay the price for sinners. He would be crucified. He would be buried. He would be resurrected. And that there are some things that would absolutely come as the result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me just give you one tonight, okay? Which one do I want to pick? God said that Jesus Christ is going to be the judge of all mankind. That's got to happen. Would you go to John 5? John 5. There are some things the Bible is so clear about. They happen only because God planned them to happen because Jesus rose again. If Jesus Christ doesn't rise again, those things don't happen. And here's a really, really, really obvious one, I think. John 5. Look at verses 21 and 22, first of all. Jesus said, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth or makes alive whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but he the Father hath committed, entrusted, turned over, he hath committed all judgment unto the, out loud, the Son. God the Father is not going to be the eternal judge. God the Son will do the judging. Oh, go down, if you will, please, to um, verses 26 and 27. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he also given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority. God the Father gave God the Son authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Now, don't forget what we just read, okay? God the Father does not judge anyone. God the Son is the judge. There will be the great white throne judgment one day for unsaved, and Jesus Christ will be the judge. There will be the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, and Jesus Christ will be the judge. God the Father doesn't do the judging. He has given all authority unto the Son who will do all the judging. Now, if you know your Bible well, then you know there's a classic verse in the Bible that says this is going to happen and it's been proven it's going to happen and it can happen only because Jesus Christ rose again. What verse are we going? What chapter are we going to? What book? Anybody know? Acts. What chapter? 17. Let's go there for our last verse tonight. 
Don't ever forget what Jesus said in John 5, 21, 22, 26, 27. And then we come to Acts 17. And we see Paul preaching on Mars Hill. Preaching about this unknown God. Verse 28, we'll start there. For in him, Jesus Christ, we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own prophets have said. For we are all his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why should men repent? Why does God command men to repent? Verse 31. Because he, God the Father, hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. Really? Yeah. By that man whom he hath ordained, chosen, picked, selected, whereof he hath given him assurance unto all men in that he hath what? He raised him from the dead. That's a key verse. 30 and 31. And the times of this ignorance in the past... The ancient world, God winked at. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent because God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. He's going to judge by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof we, excuse me, whether he hath given assurance, he's given assurance to all men. How does God give absolute assurance to the whole world that Jesus Christ most surely will be the judge? It says, in that he raised him from the dead. When you see the empty tomb, and you hear he is not here, he is risen as he said. As God planned it, as God purposed it, as the Old Testament scriptures prophesied, and as Jesus himself said, I will rise again. You and I better remember that becomes really, really important because God Almighty had planned that Jesus Christ, the Son, would be the final judge. He would delegate all authority to Jesus Christ, and he showed clearly that that's the way it is. He showed that to the whole world when he raised him from the dead. Bow your heads, please, if you would. Hard for me to stop there. There's a whole lot more. But I hope that what we've seen today in the scriptures, this morning and tonight, will make this day a very, very special Easter Sunday. You're not going to remember the whole message this morning. You're not going to remember the entire message tonight. But I hope that at least one point, one passage will just stick in your mind. And you'll remember it long past Easter 2021. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. He knows. We don't know. He's planned that. He's purposed that. It will happen and right on time. We don't know how long we'll be here before we go to meet him in death. Could be a day. Could be a week. Could be a month. Could be a year. Could be many years. We don't know. But we do know God's word is true. And we know God says very clearly that it was not possible for death to hold 
Jesus Christ. And now tonight, I hope that you can go home saying, I understand now what that means. I know it's true because the Bible says it's true, but now I can see why it has to be. There is no other way. Father, we thank you tonight for the assurance that we get from your word. Just like Jesus gave assurance to his disciples long ago that he truly was alive. They should believe, they should disbelieve. No longer should they have their hearts filled with unbelief because of what the scriptures had clearly said. Father, today I pray that we might have that same assurance, the assurance of the resurrection of Christ, the assurance of why that is so important and so significant. We know it's true because we've read the scriptures and we will live and die by your word. Thank you for the messages today. I pray that you will use them in our lives to be firm in our resolve to live for you, to obey your word. Father, to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to be witnesses for you. Think of our revival meeting coming up soon, and we know that we all, we're around different people, all of us, Father, different people in different places, different relationships. And I would ask tonight that even the messages of today will give us a greater compassion and a greater boldness to simply tell forth your word. Try to get others to be under the sound of the word of God, knowing that it is quick and powerful, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We pray that even during this week of meetings that somebody will be saved. Somebody will come and hear your word, your gospel, and come to receive Christ because of our faithful witness. Based on your scriptures, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Stand together, please.